0: Welcome to Off Screen Let's Get Cinematic on Your Sofa. Hello, Bex. How are you doing this week?
1: Well, hi, Van. No, I'm good, thanks. I've had some good time to sit down, watch some good movies, managed to catch Hamilton this week. I'm feeling kind of cultured out.
0: <laughs> How did you feel about Hamilton? Did it live up to the hype for you?
1: It did. And do you know what? It actually made me go, I really want to see this in real life. Um, I'm not disappointed. Oh, excellent. Okay. Yeah, so I'm really pleased with that. So if you haven't caught it yet, it's on Disney+. Plus. We reviewed it last week. And yeah, I'm glad to say that I, I loved it.
0: Well, I mean, we get to talk about uh, three more films uh, this week for uh, for digital and on, for on digital purposes. Let's talk then about uh, one that I know we've both seen. Let's talk about uh, Finding the Way Back, formerly known as The Way Back.
1: Yes, with the unknown reason why it's now added The Finding. Um, so we are, this, this is a film which stars Ben Affleck, who um, used to be a high school superstar basketball player. He's now a middle-aged, drunken nobody. Um, and he gets re-recruited by his old school to go back and coach their fledging, uh, fledgling um Basketball team, and it's kind of his experience with alcohol and his kind of understanding of getting back into the game as it's seen.
0: You're Marcus, right?
1: That's right. You're the tallest player on the team. Oh, makes me wonder why you're putting three pointers up every time you come down the court. Ask Coach Dan, I made the most threes on the team last year. Coach Dan, how many threes did Marcus make last year?
0: Made 34. Out of how many attempts? Out of 130. 26%, Marcus. You want to know why they're leaving you open? It's because. They don't think you could hit the ocean from the beach. <laughs> no, he just spit backs at your ass, bro. Uh, shut up. I don't need any help.
1: Yeah. Uh, can I just start with my voice being a bit like this? Because... <laughs> 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 I... Yeah. I mean, this is an interesting one because we were just having a little bit of a chat uh, off-screen, off-screen, off-screen. Off and um, we were just sort of saying that if this didn't have Ben Affleck in it, we're not sure it would have done any... Business whatsoever.
0: I don't think so at all. I mean, the, the thing is here, this, there's a lot of meta text to the actual setup here, which is, I mean, first of all, the film being put out now just smacks of it being quietly dumped out. Then there's the fact that you've got Ben Affleck playing a freshly divorced alcoholic, to which you just think, wow, we're really, really playing it subtle on this one. Uh, there's some likable enough support from Al Madrigal, but this just all smacks of that token alcoholic, awards-friendly drama, but with all the really big dramatic bits taken out of it. So all of the the, the actual movie bits have been taken away, and what you're left with are just the drama bits you usually find in between. The problem is that none of it is especially interesting enough. You don't really get a sense, for instance, of who Affleck kind of is as a person, other than he's miserable. And there is some backstory dropped in towards the end of the second act. But even then, it's very hackneyed and very tried-and-done-to-death backstory that you could have just guessed. If you, you'd you said to me, what do you think his backstory is going to be? Why do you think he's an alcoholic? I would have guessed exactly what they go with.
1: And also... I went into this watching it because I thought it was going to be a sporting film. (laughs) Like that's (laughs) like that's why I wanted to watch this movie. I don't really care about art imitating life for Ben Affleck. He's not really up there on my radar. I wanted to see a really good, uplifting basketball movie. And I didn't get that at all. You're right. Like all those elements that could have just balanced this film out a little bit better and made it more sort of you know, watchable in a way, were, were kind of left out or they just lacked luster in a way, um, which was a real shame. And it focused far too much on the silences and the moments of Ben Affleck on his own, making a phone call to his ex-wife, you know, seeing how she's doing, then going and reaching into the fridge to go and get another beer. It's a bit monotonous and a bit <laughs> dull. <laughs>
0: What was it what was it you said you were expecting from this going in I can't remember now
1: Okay I was expecting or hoping for any given Sunday the basketball years <laughs>
0: That's it. But, I mean, it's like a Coach Carter type thing. But that's the thing. You want something like that. Or you want a gridiron gang or something like that. And what you get instead was like a Santa Barbara indie film festival version of the Mighty Ducks. But, again, (laughs) without all the movie bits and just entirely reliant on the drama. If Mighty Ducks was just about Emilio trying to drink himself to death and being depressed... Be, that's the thing as well, though, because it's not even especially brave about how it deals with the alcoholism side. This isn't the sort of, you know, I accidentally kill someone then I wake up having pooped myself version of alcoholism. This isn't the gritty version of alcoholism. This isn't the leaving Las Vegas version. This is the, oh, I get drunk, I oversleep, and then I forget to turn up on time version of alcoholism. Yeah. You know, and, and it feels like you expect more from Affleck. To be yeah,
1: blessed. you do. And to be honest, let's just say it pushed me towards pouring a glass of wine and just thinking I've got better things to do with my evening. So, you know what? It achieved one thing, and that was it.
0: There is that. There is that. Okay, so let's talk then about uh, Love, Sarah, which I know you've also seen, which is a, a new, new movie about, basically, it's about a bakery, isn't it? This is sort of the yeah. uh, the setup here is you've got two friends who have decided to set up a bakery together in, I think, Notting Hill, One is a superstar baker, the other is the sort of business mind. Um, The the baker of the pair uh, perishes in a a tragic accident and it's left to the remaining partner and the deceased's sort of wayward daughter to take over the reins Mm. and and see the bakery through. I'm here about the baking job. It's a rose macaron filled with rose petal and lychee cremeur and fresh raspberries.
1: The batter's undermixed. Sorry? Not by much, but it could do with a few more folds.
0: There are four other bakers. What makes you so special? Why don't you try one? Tell me. Good luck. Here we go. Wow, crowds. This city is home to people from all over the place. We make our bakery something to remind them of home. You were her best friend. If anyone can put her spirit into this, it's you. So are you going to join me or what?
1: So I'm going to start by saying this movie starts with the ending of One Day, if that makes <laughs> sense.
0: It does. It does start with the ending of One Day. You are in fact absolutely correct, although without the delight of Anne Hathaway's terrible – is it Nottingham accent? A it was
1: bit northern that? that she was trying as well. I have no idea. A bit
0: northern, yeah. It was a little
1: bit northern, <laughs> but it didn't really work. Poor old Annie. Um... Look, I actually enjoyed this movie because it doesn't try to be anything more than what it is, which is a non-risk-taking mm. British co- dramedy to an extent, but probably erring on, on the more of the side of comedy. It's gentle. It's a Sunday afternoon watch. If you like baking, you'll like to see the pretty cakes. And if you like guys, <laughs> you'll like to watch Rupert Penry-Jones, as I did. <laughs>
0: Okay, I'm just gonna go through. I'm gonna go through all those respective points for you. So first of all, Rupert Penry-Jones. Let's let's touch on that one because he's First of all, I love Rupert Penry-Jones. I got a lot of time for Rupert Penry-Jones. I'm a big Spooks fan. I remember him starring in the 1999 awful cult classic that is Virtual Sexuality, and he struts into this movie. He just struts in there with all the swagger you can only find in a man who had a fling with Kylie Minogue. But let's just get that out of the way. Secondly, because it's about a bakery and it's set in Notting Hill, there is an understandable and predictable volume of food porn going on. (laughs) A lot of Insta-friendly. And I want to stick with the Insta-friendly thing, because cinematographer Aaron Reed has gone for this sort of Insta-friendly visual palette. Again, as you would expect, you've got Ennis Rothkoff giving it this sort of plinky, jaunty score. It is exactly the sort of fluffy, sugary, you know, filled with air, puff pastry experience you think it is. It is exactly like sitting down to eat an overly sugary éclair.
1: And can I just add to that that there is a cameo from mm. former Great British Bake Off winner Candy Brown in this as well. She's is there? she's Sarah in it. I
0: did not know that. Okay, I did yeah. not realise that you yeah, were completely on me.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, I had a little bit of a, I wanted, well, to be honest, let's just let's just be honest here. I was looking up more pictures of Rupert Penry-Jones. But as I did that, I stumbled across
0: oh, of course you were.
1: the rest of the cast list of um, of Love, Sarah, and then realised that, yeah, Candice Brown plays Sarah in this. Not that she has any lines whatsoever. She rides a bike and then stares through a window as a ghost. Um, but other than that, it is it is what it is. And do you know what? I, I really don't mind it. It's an hour and 38 minutes it's got Celia Imory in it who is just one of our national treasures of an actress she's one indeed it's a little bit about family and friendship dynamics it's about baking and you know people who were all trained together in Paris but now kind of don't really have jobs in the industry and so therefore decide to come together to work in this bakery there's a little bit of a Hugh Grant-esque you know wayward Bridget Jones star thing with Rupert Henry Jones but it doesn't ever play out any further than that and there's a love story there's a little bit of romance in it as well it's cute it's a Sunday afternoon film it's worth a watch
0: it's fine in it yeah. it's
1: fine
0: it's a thumb fine
1: yeah, exactly.
0: right okay let's 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 talk then about Greyhound, which is uh, latest uh, from Tom, latest to star Tom Hanks. This is his first uh, effort as screenwriter since I think Larry Crown in I think it was twenty eleven, two thousand nine, two thousand eleven, somewhere thereabouts. Uh, before that, he did that thing you do as well, which is also his directorial debut. Um, this sees him uh, team up with Aaron Schneider. This is. Effectively, this is a story of the convoys in World War II, the convoys of ships that had to transport supplies to the UK from the US, and how the Germans were set about in subs to basically annihilate these fleets and cut off the supply line. Top Hanks is a newly promoted captain, given his first command, his very first run, who has to make it across the channel. We have hits directly on the convoy. The Wolfpack's on this. You both starboard
1: baby! seven ships and 50 souls Whatever you did yesterday got us to today it's not enough they now I said to you Van that I hadn't seen this film mm. and you said to me yeah. uh, okay don't worry about it <laughs>
0: Don't worry. Well, I mean, this goes out on Apple TV Plus. There's a whole controversy around this. Was that this was being put out by I think this was Sony. This was either Sony or Paramount who were putting it out. I believe Sony, and then the I think it might be Sony internationally, Paramount domestic in the US, and then they sold it to Apple TV Apple TV Plus. So this goes out on Apple TV Plus today on Friday the uh, on Friday the 10th and <clears throat> there's been a whole thing whereby Tom Hanks has made some disparaging comments about it going out on the streaming platform and then conveniently just before the opening of the film had to walk them back. Presumably because someone reminded him that Apple had invested uh, a small fortune into his upcoming B-17 bomber drama series that he was involved in creating. So maybe don't tick off the new bosses just before they open your latest film. to be honest with you, it's it's largely fine. The problem is there's nothing wholeheartedly remarkable about it. There's some slick visuals. There's a solid production in there. There's decent atmosphere and tension, and there's a sort of arousing goose bumpy score by, of all people, Blake Neely, who largely these days produces superhero scores for TV. Um, if I'm being honest, it does feel like a sort of quote-unquote streaming movie. Yeah. A lot of this hinges on Tom Hanks because there's not really anything in the way of supporting characters. You've got completely Completely unknown cast, save for maybe half a dozen lines allocated to Stephen Graham. There's what's basically a cameo for Elizabeth Shoe. But other than that, this is all Tom Hanks and a bunch of nameless, sort of faceless extras. It's otherwise a lean, stripped down, sort of maritime thriller with way too much jargon that's given scope mostly through robust CGI. It's not especially remarkable. A lot of this is reliant on green screens, a like greyhound green screen. Um, just It's one of those films that, again, like way back, if it weren't for the star at the, at the front of this, I don't think we'd be talking about it at all.
1: Yeah, that is a shame, because I could watch anything with Tom Hanks in it, but I'm not sure I'm going to rush out to go and watch this right now. So how many thumbs do you give this one?
0: I'd give this one for the production, the slick production value, and, and and it's just sort of robust build quality, and also Hank's performance, but there's really not an awful lot, and also the fact that no one's really going to have to pay to see this. If you've bought an Apple product in the last 12 months, you can see
1: this for free. Yeah, okay. Cool. So, look, out of our selection this week of Finding the Way Back, Love Sarah and Greyhound, it looks like Love Sarah, your love for baking, is going to triumph in this week's On Digital releases. So, if you're up for that, a nice, gentle Sunday movie, that gets our big thumbs up and a recommendation from Offscreen. Come Coming up next, we're going to keep you on your couch because we've got more movies on TV. And we are back here at off screen on your couch, bringing you more brilliant movies on TV. Sometimes you just can't go wrong when there's some good classics on the small screen. And we are starting your weekend in the right way because Saturday night at 9 p.m. on Five Star, we've got Goodwill <laughs> Hunting. I Love this movie, don't you Van?
0: I do indeed, but more than uh, more than just loving Goodwill Hunting, I'm also a fan of the unofficial sequel that Kevin Smith created in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, Goodwill Hunting 2, Hunting Season. <laughs> nice, nice.
1: And with his good friends, Ben Affleck and also Matt Damon as well. So, look, how do you like them apples, eh, Kevin Smith? Um, this is such a, a strong film about kind of a mathematical genius. Um, he's actually a janitor at, at a university. He gets discovered. Robin Williams plays the person who's just kind of behind him, pushing him towards his um, amazing abilities.
0: The therapist, isn't he, sort yeah. of designed to there in place to sort of help him work through his, uh, his behavioral and disciplinary issues that sort of keep him behaving like a wayward thug. I tell you what, in fact, actually on, on the note of him being a sort of genius wayward thug, that does tie in nicely with our clip. Were you gonna plagiarize the whole thing for us? Do you have any thoughts of, of your own on this matter? But you, is that your thing? You come into a bar, you read some obscure passage, and then pretend you, you pawn it off as your own, as your own idea, just to impress some girls, embarrass my friend. See, the sad thing about a guy like you is, in 50 years, you're gonna start doing some thinking on your own, and you're gonna come up with the fact that there are two certainties in life: one, don't do that; and two, you dropped 150 grand on a f***ing education you could have got for a dollar 50 in late charges at the public library.
1: <laughs> Yeah, but I will have a degree. And you'll be serving my kids fries at a drive-thru on our way to a skiing trip. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Yeah, but at least I won't be unoriginal.
0: But, I mean, if you have a problem like that, I mean, we could just step outside. We could figure it out.
1: No, man, there's no problem. And you know what? This is a ringing Oscars all around as well. I think Matt Damon and Ben Affleck got it for the screenwriting for this. Um, Robin Williams picked up the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor in this. There's a beautiful sequence that you see him on the park bench talking to Matt Damon. And it's just one of the most beautiful bits of Robin Williams, mm. I think, if I can describe it like that. It's, um, it's always nice when you see him not in a comedic role, in a more serious role. You can just really see his depth as an actor. And... Yeah, if you well, he,
0: sorry, yeah. he did a few of those like this. They were, they were always sort of this kind of tone. I remember Awakenings from the early '90s as well, oh. which he did with Robert uh, Robert De Niro. That was that was one based on the true story where he was the doctor who brought the coma victims out. Yeah. Robin Williams always did really great support work in dramas, I think.
1: Yeah, he was such... Because he's such a good character actor and he can just sort of mould himself into all these different things. Anyway, you know, if you think, like, this is the film that launched Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, this is the movie that kind of put them on the map, this is the movie that you need to watch on your Saturday night. So that's Goodwill Hunting, five star, 9pm.
0: Of course, there is the conspiracy theory around it as well. There's always been this, this sort of working theory that, in fact, it was Kevin Smith who actually directed it. But even he, to this day, Denies denies that and actually does say, uh, Have you seen that movie? I am in no way that good a director. <laughs> <laughs>
1: what have we got coming up on sunday because we've got a double bill am i right
0: Like two of my childhood favorites i don't know if you loved these I as did. much as i did so this this is a double bill on the sony movies starting at 320 i think the second one is either at five past or quarter past five and it's hot shots followed immediately by hot shots It's basically sort of i think initially took the form of a spoof of top gun i think in the first movie so a spoof of, of top gun specifically just that movie and then the second one becomes a spoof of rambo 3 with a bunch of other commando based movies and there was also like schwarzenegger's commando for instance gets a look in it becomes an actual outright sequel to hot shots as well at one point and all follows the character of topper harley as played by the iconic charlie sheen topper colonel Good to see you again. Yeah, you too. You want to tell me about it? Well, they let me live here. I help out fixing things. It's peaceful, quiet. No one is allowed to talk. And that dim sum fighting in the warehouse yesterday? I just do that for the extra money and to satisfy my male cravings to kill and win. Colonel, who are they? She's CIA. The other man's an extra. It's all about the dialogue in these movies. I'm a huge fan of the, the, the sort of the, the, the really nasty, biting, cynical asides. Like, oh, who's that guy? Oh, he's just an extra. Don't worry about him. I love that stuff. That really makes these movies for me.
1: Yeah, I, I do as well. And I think these are Charlie Sheen's best performances um, and the love interest in this if I'm I might be wrong on this but I think it's also the love interest in with the Tom Cruise in Rain Man as well it's the same actress
0: it is Valeria Galino, you are in fact correct yes yeah. it is
1: <laughs> yes there's my movie trivia for you right there um, this is all like for me. There's there's nothing quite like seeing someone launch from a, a crossbow or a, a bow and arrow a chicken. Um, and thing I was talking about this movie um, with some friends on Saturday and saying how much. Actually, it's one of those rare things where I think the sequel is better than than the first movie. I love Hot Shots Part Deux.
0: There is an argument you're made for that. I agree. And um, them first of all, but one thing we haven't said about about both, both both movies is that Lloyd Bridges as the bumbling admiral who then becomes the president. The second movie absolutely amazing uh, turn from an absolutely amazing comic presence lloyd bridges was second only to leslie nielsen as far as that specific kind of comedy goes but the sequel as you say is one of those that does top the original it's also a film that if you watch it now post 9 11 and post our attitude to the middle east being what it is in this century a film that's very much taken on a whole other level of nuance in the years since and is, in a sense, actually a lot funnier as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So look, if you need, are needing some, I I'd, I'd kind of say like quiet entertainment for yourself, but it's nothing quiet about this movie because it's actually, you just don't want to share it with anyone because you want it all to yourself. <laughs> it's that good. Um, it's on Sony Movies, 3.20pm. Block out your afternoon because you're just going to have so much fun watching this.
0: Okay, let's talk about uh, Monday night then for you. I've got a doozy. I don't know if you remember this one. So uh, on Channel 5, 5 past 11, it's Homefront. It's Stath V. Franco, baby, in a movie written by Sylvester Stallone. I am not making that up. This was originally designed as a Stallone movie. The idea is Jason Statham is a sort of undercover DEA agent who just goes and busts gangs who accidentally ticks off a meth dealer, played by James Franco, when their sort of kids get into a fight at school, that's actually the kids of one of Franco's underlings or something like that. They get into a skirmish at school and the parents then wind up going to war. The only thing being that the parents here are a meth dealer and a DEA master agent. And of course, this gets violent real fast. I don't want any more problems. Okay, anything else you're thinking hard about? Because I can smell the wood burning. If someone has an issue with me, keep it there. I don't want my kid involved. Involved? I'm a little lost. Well, let's get you found. You see the house? Mm-hmm. The house where we're living. The house that was broken into by some pathetic coward who stole a little girl's toys, a cat, slashed the tire... See, that's my house. Anyone who comes around again
1: will find me standing in it. So, I haven't seen this movie, but I am amazed that this is not not only a movie that's got the Statham and James Franco in it, but it's also got Winona Ryder and Kate Bosworth as well. <laughs>
0: This movie literally opens with Ke- with uh, Winona Ryder being filled out in the bonnet of a car. It is the most deranged thing. Um, it opens with Statham undercover with long hair as in a biker gang. It's bonkers. It's hyper-violent lunacy. It's exactly what you want from a movie that pits Jason Statham against the massive physical threat that is james franco and i can't urge you strongly enough to experience this for yourself and experience it you can of course channel 5 on monday nights at 11 5. And now a segment we like to call "Off Screen Pays the Bills. Hi, Bex.
1: Oh, hi, Van. Is it bill time already?
0: Ain't nothing going on but the rent, as you well know. So let's uh, let's talk about our sponsor for this week. I'm actually quite chuffed about this, because this, we're being sponsored this week by uh, another podcast, which I actually got to sit and listen to. And it's very, very much up my alley as well. So, uh, it's a great show. It's called uh, The Pop Culture Show. It's hosted by Barnes, Leslie, and Cubby. So the idea here is this is three hosts. They've known each other for a long time. They fly through all sorts of the latest goings on in, in pop culture so that's you know stuff like tv and, and celebrity news and you know film news gossip gadgets you know what techs out things like that uh, so you get these three hosts they've known each other for like 20 years and i was, I was listening to a show earlier with the, lots of fun They're talking about be with some butthead and kanye running for president and it's a, it's a good dynamic as well like ourselves like you and i it's Aww. a it's an eclectic dynamic mix of, of hosts that you can tell belies a, a natural friendship so you You've got Barnes, who uh, is not only a sort of pop culture junkie and, and you know a musician, TV holic himself. So he's actually an actor. So I actually recognise. he's probably you Google, you Google your responses and everything, and I recognise this guy's face. It's because I watched Irresistible recently with uh, Steve Carell. Nice. And he is in that movie. He's also one of the the, the bad guy henchmen uh, types from uh, Prison Break way back when with Reggie Lee. He was on the in the scenes with Reggie Lee as. Uh, forget one of the agents who worked for uh, Patricia Wetzig's character in that one. Uh, You've also got uh, Leslie, who's a TV exec, who deals with uh, musicians and gossip and things like that. And uh, Cubby, who's a radio host himself and seems to get really really cool guests.
1: So basically what you're saying is, if you're like us, you're going to love them. So...
0: (laughs) (laughs) We're like your stepping stone to the pop culture. We just do movies. They do a little bit of movies and a little bit of lots of other things as well. So uh, they've got the hookups with the guests and everything. Uh, Pretty solid selection, too. There's a bit of variety on there. Um, You can listen and subscribe. Get them wherever you get your podcasts, just as you do us. And that's uh, the Pop Culture Show. So check those out. And we're keeping you on that couch For some more cinematic fun, on to Tuesday, Miss Burfax, and, uh, well, I don't want to have to put you in a box on this one, but uh, it's (laughs) buried with Ryan Reynolds in a box in Iraq. You haven't seen this one, have you?
1: I I haven't, but I tell you what, I I haven't because I've got a real issue with claustrophobia, and I thought, I'm not sure if I could watch something like this. And then I was watching The Sinner, season three, and you see... There's a moment where Bill Pullman is buried alive and you're watching him from the perspective of being in a box. And I was like, this is awful. So I don't know if I can watch it. But I, I, I'm intrigued to see how they actually made a movie of just a guy in a box.
0: Well, this is the thing, because it had been done a few times in the in the years of running up to this. Alias had done it. Kill Bill had famously done it. The idea of setting a tension filled action sequence. Alias did near an entire episode. Kill Bill did, I think, about 20 minutes or something like that. Uh, in Kill Bill, too. Um, so this is Ryan Reynolds is a contractor working, a security contractor working in Iraq, who wakes up mysteriously in a box with nothing but a Zippo lighter and a BlackBerry, and using the BlackBerry has to bargain for his freedom to summon help to get his ransom paid.
1: How are you doing, sweetie?
0: Not very good. Uh, this might be the last time that I talk to you. Look, I'm gonna get going now, okay? I just wanted to call and talk to you. I love you, Mom. I love you, Mom. Do you want to tell me that you love me? Yes,
1: dear. Your father and I have been playing gin rummy every night.
0: Okay, Mom. You tell Papa I said hi.
1: Sounds quite interesting
0: it is it's actually really good
1: now you've thrown the Blackberry into it I think it might be watchable um, <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't really want to watch him claw his way out for two hours that was the thing
0: That's it. It's definitely not that kind of film because obviously one of the things they establish very, very quickly is look. There's no point fighting to get out of this because there's no physical way you you can. Someone needs to come and get you. There's no. There's nothing you can do. All you can do is summon help. You cannot be the help. And it's it's very it's it's a very tense, very thrilling movie. Ryan Reynolds is superb in it. But then again, you know how I feel about Ryan Reynolds. I think the guy is absolutely brilliant. I think he can do drama just as well as he can do comedy. And this is a really solid thriller. say so you do get some sort of supporting... I forget who they are, but you do get some names in the, voice, in the voice cast, though. Because obviously the supporting cast are almost entirely vocal. They're just voices down a phone. We don't lose perspective. We don't leave the box. And the way that they've shot it, because I think they filmed it in a glass box and just surrounded it by darkness. And the way they've done that is superb. But you can see that for yourself. Film 4, 10 past 11 on Tuesday night.
1: It's good that it's a late one. I won't be tempted. (laughs) Because it's too late. It's past my bedtime. Right, moving on to Wednesday. We've got, oh, an absolute classic here. Crimson Tide, ITV4, 9pm. Now, this is a Tony Scott movie, so you know it's going to be good. It's got music composed by Hans Zimmer. It stars none other than Denzel. We've got Gene Hackman in there, and also Viggo Mortensen as well. I mean, this is... If ever there was mutiny on a ship, you're gonna to wanna to watch it on Crimson Tide, am I right? What I'm saying, Captain, is that we have backup.
0: Now it's our duty not to launch until we can confirm. You're presuming that we have other submarines out there ready to launch. But as Captain, I must assume that our submarines could have been taken out by other Akulas. We can play these games all night, Mr. Hunter, but I don't have the luxury of your presumptions. Yes, sir. Mr. Hunter. We have rules that are not open to interpretation, personal intuition, gut feelings, hairs on the back of your neck, little devils or angels sitting on your shoulders. Captain. We're all very well aware what our orders are and what those orders mean. They come down from our commander-in-chief. They contain no ambiguity. Captain. Mr. Hunter, I've made a decision. I'm captain of this boat. Now shut the f- what a movie. I tell you, just Denzel and Gene Hackman, now that is a clash of the titans right there. I miss Gene Hackman in movies. How good was Gene Hackman?
1: I just, I, it just got me thinking just now that I I can't think of who I can see sort of grow up to be as much of a titan as an actor as these guys are. I think it's of that golden age. It's, this film came out in 1995, you know? It's it's our golden era. You know we love these movies that come oh, out yeah, in the we do. Um, And there's a reason so, for that
0: couple of things on the back of this thing. So first of all, great supporting cast, as you pointed out, Vigo Mortensen. Ryan Felipe is in there as well. George Zunder, I think, is excellent. Um, you've also got a screenplay that's given an uncredited re- re- rewrite by none other than Quentin Tarantino. And you can tell that by the fact that two men at one point get into fisticuffs having an argument over the Silver Surfer. Um, it is a great movie. Like you said about the Hans Zimmer score, it's got that iconic Hans Zimmer score. That I think it's called Roll Tide, the theme. One I still listen to to this, this day. An absolute banger. If you've never seen Crimson Tide, which is one of my favorite thrillers ever, and one I watch every time I'm having trouble sleeping, this and a few good men. Do check this out. You can see this. ITV4 on Wednesday night at 9 p.m., just you know pay for the seat but you're only going to need the edge of it you know what I mean
1: Captain I cannot concur but actually I do concur Um, (laughs) (laughs) okay let's move on to Thursday for you now we've got a movie which uh, both Van and I remember seeing I just had to look at the post and go I have seen this film it's called Logan Lucky it's on ITV4 at 9pm this is Channing Tatum with bright yellow hair playing a bit of a hillbilly (laughs) and it's remind me again of this because I think it's all set around like not NASCAR but it's kind of around sort of a car scenario, isn't it? It's
0: a heist movie where they're trying to rob the security office at the NASCAR. and They, they break their demolitions expert, Daniel Craig, out of prison to help them with the heist. And the appeal is that until this movie, none of us knew that Daniel Craig had a sense of humor or B, knew how to use it. And obviously, he would follow this up a couple of years later with none of the knives out as well. But you know what? Shh, it's all about that accent work. I got 5 months to go in here. I should probably lay low a bit before doing a job. This has to happen in 5 weeks. I am in car, sir.
1: Is kind of a, a dreamboat when it comes to accents. I'm, like I love it. it's like it's such a dark horse about it. Now this is kind of Adam Driver before Adam Driver became Adam Driver. In a way, this is kind of really, really, really early on for him, isn't it?
0: Well, I don't think he was quite regarded as the sex object he is now. <laughs> <laughs> Luscious, oh. llama looking man mountain that he is now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he's such an odd I find him such an odd guilty pleasure um, it's such a weird one um, but the, you know look, this is a Steven Soderbergh film this is a movie that kind of has the humor to it the silliness but it's still got the heist element to it so it's worth your time to watch um it's again as we mentioned it's on ITV4 at 9 p.m so that is called Logan Lucky now ending up your week we have the controversial star that is Mel Gibson with some less controversial blue paint on his face and um, talking about his freedom. <laughs> it's, of course, it's Braveheart.
0: Fight and you may die. Run and you'll live at least a while. And dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to trade All the days, from this day to that, for one chance, just one chance, to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom! (laughs) That speech, that moment, what other clip could we possibly have used for this film?
1: (laughs) I do. I really love this movie. And I always remember watching the end part where he's... Spoiler alert, he's hung, drawn, and
0: caught.
1: Yeah. No. Gross. <laughs> I can never miss
0: it. You know the weird thing about this movie is, I. first of all, we, we watch this movie a lot in, in, in my family. My mum has it on. Every time it's on telly, my mum will sit and watch it. We've, we've owned every version of every DVD, every Blu-ray, every Laserdisc, every possible format you could have this movie on. We have had in our house at some point. I have seen this movie a billion times. And you know the part that, we all seem to forget about it. Is it's a long one. This is a yeah. long movie. That's and yet, it. it's absolutely. It breezes by, though. I mean, because we forget that it takes a while for him to become, you know, William Wallace the Warrior. There's a lot of setup. Um, great support from Patrick McNee. Uh, Patrick McGowan, sorry, not Patrick McGowan. Patrick McGowan as uh, Longshanks. Great moment when he, he when he throws the dude out the window. Who is this man who speaks to me as if I want his opinion? Uh, love that. Sophie Marceau in this movie. Oh, my God. Be still my heart. Oh, Sophie She's
1: Marceau. beautiful. Yeah. And what tragic. No, the girl yet? eventually yeah mm. i mean yeah there's there's so many great things about this movie it just shows that if mel gibson didn't mess it up in real life he'd actually be a really, really <laughs> great actor um so that is brave hearts on sony movies it's 9 p.m that rounds off our week of tv's uh movies on tv in fact so stick with us we're gonna have all of your streaming and dvd and blu-ray coming up next Welcome back to Offscreen. Now it's our final segment of this week's podcast. It is of course your DVD, Blu-rays and streaming and we're kicking off with some DVD and Blu-ray options for you and it starts with Fantasy Island, something not reviewed by critics originally because the studios wouldn't let us but Van managed (laughs) to give it a watch anyway. What did you think? Right,
0: I will say, first of all, you say that, they didn't show this to critics. If you actually see... Because, first of all, we did talk about this briefly a couple of weeks ago, and then I think they shifted the release date at the like 11th hour or something. Because uh, they, they were putting this out on DVD the same week as The Invisible Man, I believe. So we obviously talked more about Invisible Man. Now, first of all, on the Blu-ray of this, it says... Unseen uh an unseen cut, new unseen cut. And I'm sort of thinking, well, if you ask most film critics, it's been unseen the whole damn time. Um, I just went, I think it opened on like a Wednesday or something. It opened on a Friday and I found my local Cineworld was showing it. So like, oh, I'll pop down first thing in the morning and, and give it a watch. That's what you do when they don't when they don't screen them. And I don't think it's terribly bad at all. So it's basically the same setup as Fantasy Island always was on T V in the seventies, but here done as a horror movie. So the idea is group of disparate strangers turn up to Fantasy Island. They're given the experience to, you know, experience, live out their wildest fantasies. One woman wants a do-over in her relationship. Uh, another, uh, you know, wants to... <laughs> get revenge on an old-school bully, another one wants to uh, experience war, and of course it becomes the darker possible version. And this all comes through the guise of the mysterious Mr. Rourke, played by Michael Peña, who explains his mecha- the mechanics of his fantasies thusly. Good evening. I am Mr. Rourke, the ambassador to your deepest desires. Let me officially welcome you to... Fantasy Island. We were all just discussing how this works exactly. Ah, you will know soon enough, and I promise you will not be disappointed. The island has two rules. There is only one fantasy per guest. And two, you must see your fantasy through to its natural conclusion, no matter what.
1: Well, why wouldn't we?
0: Because fantasies rarely play out as you or I might expect, but they always play out exactly as they should.
1: Not even you know how they're gonna go?
0: Only the island knows. I am, but it's humble story.
1: I love the fact that there's someone that moves onto an island to going, I want to experience war. Who does that? That is the question that I've got. Who actually does that? Americans. (laughs) And I love that Michael Peña, one of my favourite actors, is masterminding this. That was something that brought me in. I remember going to a film screening um, on the week of this coming out and and hearing all the critics muttering and saying, well, God, it's obviously going to be awful if they're just not going to let us go and watch this movie. You know, we actually get really annoyed when we don't get the option of seeing these kind of movies because let us make up our minds for ourselves, right?
0: That was actually the really mystifying thing about Fantasy Island as well, is it was it's it's put out by Sony, and Sony legendarily are quite good about you seeing their films. Like yeah. they they've shown they've they've knowingly shown us some rubbish over the years, but they're fine about it. They're just like, you know what, we don't care as long as you see the film and give it a fair shake, we don't mind.
1: Well and having, right. having said that, I do remember that they also didn't screen The Slender Man as well, which I was quite interested in watching.
0: There's a few it's nearly always horror movies. When they don't yeah. do it, it's almost always horror movies, yeah. yeah. Which is strange given how many film critics do you know who are obsessed with horror movies? I mean, come on, Kermode, for instance.
1: Exactly. So I don't know why they don't let us through the door, but sometimes we can't give you the release information that you so much deserve. <laughs> but you can go and watch this and make your mind up for yourself because it is on DVD and blu-ray um i think you had a little bit of fun watching this don't you van
0: i did it was it was fun you know it has jimmy yang in it i'm always happy to see good old jimmy o. yang uh, maggie q who i adore oh god maggie q um it's lucy hales in the uh, michael peña i'm a big fan of there's just there's a lot going on in this movie you know it, it's to be honest exactly as good as you'd expect let's do fantasy island as a horror movie would turn out. Incidentally, they do have to refer to it, according to the BVFC title card, as Blumhouse's Fantasy Island, presumably for legal reasons.
1: Interesting. Oh, right. Well, if you Mm. guys want to go and make up your mind on that, that is available from Monday the 13th of July on your DVD and Blu-ray list. Uh, I think we would welcome any thoughts on that as well. So do let us know. Now, moving straight on to streaming, we've got a great classic here. My Big Fat Greek Wedding is on Amazon Prime from Sunday the 12th. Of, uh, of, of, of July where I was like looking out the window going
0: which, which, the minute one back Are yeah.
1: we in July? Because it doesn't feel like it because I've got my will oh, I don't Time has no
0: meaning in, in Covid land you know that's yeah. how it works
1: <laughs> um, My Big Fat Greek Wedding I you know I, I enjoyed this I, I enjoyed the sequel to this as well although obviously I was going to say good.
0: did you like the sequel?
1: Yeah I think it was fine I love this kind of different perspective it feels a bit Mamma Mia in a bit of a weird way just without mm. music um, and you know, good performances, good kind of... I, I struggled to think when this first came out. I'd say early 2000s. I think.
0: I think the first one is 2002. Yeah. And the sequel then is, what, about 2013, 2014, maybe later?
1: Is it? Yeah, something like that. It's also, it's got the actor who we all recognise from Sex and the City, am I right, in this?
0: I want to say, say John Corbin. Is he yeah. John Corbin? Yeah, John Corbin. And she's yeah. near Dallas. Yeah, yeah. And the movie is produced by Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson, which technically brings this full circle right back around to Greyhound for
1: us. <laughs> Has it been that long already? Um, look, it's fun. It's, it, it, it's probably one for the girls, to be honest, who, who enjoy this movie. Um, but it's worth a watch. If you've got nothing else to do this weekend, you know, it's up there from Sunday. So it's a good thing to watch on your Sunday. If you're not going to watch something like Love Bearer, it's worth kind of your attention anyway.
0: I've just remembered something. Isn't Joey Fat one from NSYNC? In, yes, in Joey Fatone.
1: yes, he's in this. He's one of the brothers.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing I the know. things you retain, isn't it? I know, I so what else? Got, uh, speaking of uh, speaking of early 2000s uh, fluff, Step Up is coming to Amazon Prime on Wednesday the 15th. The reason we all came to know Chan Tate.
1: Uh Just let me, like, this is one of my favourite films. My best friend and I. Really? No, 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 no." right. This is, like, we have watched this right from the start. We have watched... All of the the cheesy kind of voiceovers that happen in the further step up films. This is amazing. You know, this is a beautiful love story between Jenna and Dewan Tatum at the time. And also Channing Tatum. She's a beautiful ballerina. He's a hip hop dancer. You've got you're in like a drama school where everyone is just, you know, amazingly talented. And oh, my God, if only I could dance like Tay Tay, it would be amazing.
0: Oh, Do you know if they actually just taught classes for men, just to teach us to dance, do the Magic Mike stuff? I would absolutely go to one of those. I totally would. Who wouldn't want to learn the genuine dance? But, you know, you can you can relive the uh, early cinematic dancing days of Chan Tate, Channing Tate Yum, I think they call him now, on uh, Amazon Prime from uh, Wednesday the 15th. Coming to Netflix, because I love a good uh, a good schlocky adult thriller that seems to be 90-centric. Uh, Netflix from Thursday. We've not seen this one. It's called Fatal Affair. On Thursday the 16th. This stars Omar Epps and Neil Long. And this is effectively your boilerplate fatal attraction type movie uh but pitched as a sort of african-american-centric remake and gender flipped so this time he's the psycho and she's the victim
1: you know you think you love him i'm not giving up on yourself. can't you see we were meant to be together
0: everything he's done has all been to get to me This is such a great song.
1: This sounds quite interesting, actually, because I think when you swap it, swap the genders in this, it's, mm, it yeah. feels like it'll be more predatory. It feels a bit more unnerving. There's... Oh, I'm intrigued.
0: Yeah, I know what you mean. But obviously, that clip is from the the trailer, and Omar Epps just has something of a blunt instrument sort of, kind of appeal to him. It's going to be interesting to see this. I like the fact as well that it is skewed slightly older. This is skewed at sort of you know. Late forties, a sort of you know, audience characters who are in their late forties, as it were. Uh, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'll look this up. I reminds me of that movie Obsession when they did this with the uh, Ali Larter and Beyonce and Idris Elba like ten years ago. Remember that? That was awful. I loved it.
1: Remember when Beyonce acted? I say in inverted commas. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, technically, she was in a movie this year. She was in The Lion King, and she has got the the Disney Plus thing coming up next month.
1: Uh, I'm I'm not going to say too much about that, but other than that, she ruined Nala. um... (laughs) Uh, 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 uh. Oh, come on. Feel the love tonight,
0: Dax. Feel the love.
1: Let me justify this. Nala had so much feist as a little cub, and then suddenly she was like, oh, hey, I'm Beyonce Nala now. And it's like, oh, (laughs) good. I don't feel the love. I just feel sedated. (laughs) Take your Oscar-nominated like original score and be done with it. Like, I don't need to see you do
0: this. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, I think we've got. I we think that that ends up uh, ends uh, a nice, healthy roster of cinematic goodies for us this week. I think this perfect running record.
1: I think it does. I think you know, if we're still stuck in lockdown, which actually remember, people, we actually are. Um, it's not over. Mm. Uh, there are still great things that you can watch on your couch. So we've got loads there for you to. To look back on. I'm particularly going to go and re-watch Goodwill Hunting. How about you, Van?
0: Uh, for me, I'm, I'm looking forward to, I mean, there's so many this week. I want to revisit both Hot Shots movies, but I want to watch uh, Buried and Crimson Tide again, definitely. I love me some Crimson Tide. So.
1: Well, listen, we hope you guys enjoy all the movies that you're going to watch this week as a, a, off the back of our wonderful recommendations. So, we'll join you again next week. We'll have more movies for you, your seven-day guide to everything movies. This is off-screen, and I've been Bex Perfect.
0: I've been Van Conner and we'll see you next time.